Hi, it's Karen here. I'm founder and owner of Bed and Breakfast Academy. I provide training, community and ongoing support for anyone who wants to own their own bed and breakfast or learn how to market their existing B&B without relying on those third parties such as Booking.com. In this week's podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the pros and cons of running a bed and breakfast. But first, if you're following me on Instagram, I'm on there as Ben Breakfast Academy. You'll know we've just returned from a rather glorious week on Lockfine in Scotland, celebrating my husband's birthday. We were incredibly lucky with the weather, and the location ticked all of our boxes and more, and we've already booked to go back. So if you're on my email newsletter list, that will explain why there was no email or blog post last week. It's actually the first week since the 24th of August 2020 that I haven't sent out a Bed and Breakfast Academy newsletter. If you're running a business, I do believe consistency is key. Whether that be sending an email to your list once a month or posting on social media a certain number of times a week, but I also believe it's important to give yourself a break occasionally too. Okay, well, back to this week's podcast. Over the 15 years of running B&B training and meeting hundreds, if not thousands, of aspiring bed and breakfast owners, I know that it is the dream job for many people. Yet like any career choice, there are both pros and cons to running a B&B. If you've read a few of my blog posts or listened to my podcasts or been through my training program, then you know I don't sugarcoat the lifestyle. I'm honest about all that's involved. And the purpose of everything I do with my training and my blog posts isn't to put you off running a bed and breakfast. It's to provide you with as much information as possible so that you can earn a B&B that you love running. And if you know up front what the hurdles and potential problems are going to be, you'll be better prepared to either avoid them in the first place or you'll have the tools you need to successfully navigate them. I think it's worth saying that when you run any type of business, there will always be problems. Much of business is about problem solving, so it can help to change your mindset to see problems as a way of potentially growing and evolving as an individual too. So you could ask yourself the questions, whenever you encounter a problem, what can I learn from this? Is there any way I can use this situation to my advantage? And quite often, a problem can be an opportunity to demonstrate amazing customer service, or it can be a great marketing opportunity. For example, if you receive a bad review on TripAdvisor or Booking.com, you can use your response to demonstrate to all of the potential customers who are reading it how you handle a problem and resolve it in a constructive way. You can read my blog post on responding to a negative review at bnbacademy.co.uk forward slash blog forward slash review. One example of turning a problem into a great marketing solution was um, one of our holidays, the hot tub wasn't working. It wasn't actually an issue for us at all as we hadn't actually planned to use it. And the people looking after the cottage did their very best to sort it out whilst we were there, but they were waiting for a part. They were in North Scotland. There's nothing they could do. So they offered us a discount off our next stay, which we immediately took them up on. Okay, let's look a bit more at those pros and cons. One of the advantages of running your own business is that you get to be your own boss. You make the decisions about how your B&B is run. If you decide you want to block off a few days, or weeks or months to go on holiday, you can. 
And then when you get amazing feedback from a guest, you can be proud of the fact that it's all down to your hard work. On the flip side, one of the things we loved to do when we were in an office job was to book a last minute weekend away. And it can be really difficult to do that when you run a busy B&B when you own your own business. I would often look at my diary and see no weekends free for months. So it's important as a B&B owner to plan in advance. Before you release dates on your availability calendar, make sure you block off time for holidays and weekends well in advance. You could, of course, get someone in to look after your B&B. It's not something, like a bit of a control freak probably, it's not something I've ever felt comfortable doing. But that could be a solution to, to getting away whilst keeping your B&B open. Despite the fact that it's your own business, there is still legislation you need to comply with, no matter what size of bed and breakfast you run. And this isn't really a negative. You know, there are structured guidelines in place and providing you're following them, you'll be okay. But if you were someone who wanted total freedom with no external restrictions in your life, then uh, it could be an issue for you. For example, in the UK, everyone in the business who is handling or preparing food for guests will need to be trained in food hygiene. You're legally required to register with environmental health at least 28 days before you start operating. And you could receive a visit from an environmental health officer at any reasonable time to inspect your premises and to ensure that you're complying with the guidelines. Sometimes when you're running a business on your own, it can be difficult to interpret what the different legislation means, especially when the new legislation comes in. Really struggling to say legislation at this time in the morning, but I'll get there. For example, when the new allergen law, Natasha's law, came in on the 1st of October 2021, it was fairly clear what the responsibilities of, say, a cafe owner were, but how did they apply? How does the law apply to a B&B? And this is where the ongoing support of the Ben Breakfast Academy community really comes into its own. Once people have been through my online course, they can join the, the Facebook group, the Ben Breakfast Academy community, which is there for support and to answer any questions you have. In the case of Natasha's Law, I arranged a specific training for the B&B group members, but the group will also discuss how they are applying other new laws uh, individually. This came into its own with all the new cleaning requirements around COVID. Um, another disadvantage of running a B&B is there's no sick pay. If you get ill, you're going to have to work through, uh, obviously provided it's not COVID or any type of food poisoning, or you might need to get in help to run the B&B or potentially have to cancel guests. Back to the pros. For me, working from home was one of the greatest advantages of running a B&B. I'm happiest when I'm at home. And probably if it wasn't for my husband making me go away on holiday, I probably never would. Running a bed and breakfast meant that I can live in a very beautiful part of the world, in the countryside, in a very nice house. Working from home meant I didn't have to worry about care for my daughter when she was ill or on holidays, a bit all about this below. I got to spend all day with my dogs, which is very important to me. And my commute became a one minute walk down the stairs and turn left into the kitchen. I also got to enjoy this amazing countryside, which for me is really important, especially now in, in the autumn time. I love the, the changing landscape in the autumn. 
if you're not such a home bird as I am, and you enjoy going out a lot and going on holidays a lot, you might find that running a B&B can be a bit of a tie. When your B&B is busy, you'll be waiting for guests to leave, waiting for guests to arrive, cleaning, cooking and baking. Pre-COVID, uh, my husband would work away all week, so it was quite often a difficult juggling act, working out when I get to the shops in between waiting for guests to leave, waiting for them to arrive and having to do the cleaning. On changeover days, that's when one set of guests leaves in the morning and another arrives in the afternoon. This actually can be a bit easier in one way because you've got a fixed checkout time. So hopefully you, you've got a time when guests will be off the premises, assuming they leave when you ask them to. On days when guests are staying, you'll probably have to do a, a room tidy. So you, you go in and make bed, empty bins, replenish crockery, biscuits, that sort of thing. The problem with this is you tend to have guests hanging around all day. Well, in, in my case, it depends on the type of B&B you run and the reason that people are coming to B&B. But here it's very much about a leisurely break. And I will quite often have guests sort of hanging around till 11, 12, 1 o'clock. And you're waiting for them to go out before you can get into their room. Um, I did have some lovely repeat guests. They came to me several times a year and I, I did like them very much. But they tended not to go out to mid-afternoon. It, it could be two, three o'clock and then only for an hour or so. So my whole day was spent looking out of the window. My, my rooms are in an annex outside. So I would spend the whole day looking out of the window to see if their car was still there or not. Because they visited so often, I knew this was going to be the case and I resigned myself to not being able to go out through the day. But it, it can be frustrating if you've got guests who haven't gone out and you're, you're waiting for them to go out before you can do anything. There are ways you can manage this. And one of those is to make sure, first of all, that your check-in and check-out times are very clear so that when you have got guests leaving, they, they check out a specific time. Though there will always be people who don't read your information or read it and turn up early and check out late anyway. I found explaining on my website why we had these times. So explaining to people why we asked them to, to check in after four and to leave by 10.30 helped. So for example, I used to say, we're sorry we can't accommodate early check-in as we need that time to get your room ready, do the shopping, walk the dogs. And that did help. I think sometimes guests think you're, you're just lying on a hammock drinking a, a Budweiser all day whilst they're desperate to get in their room. I think sometimes people don't appreciate the amount of work that goes into uh, a B&B. I also noticed a big change in guest arrival behaviour when I said check-in is between four and seven. Please let us know if you'll be arriving later so we can assure someone is here to let you in. Before that, no one would ever tell me what time they were arriving. And I'd often be sitting there at nine o'clock thinking, are they going to turn up? And after that, everyone did, apart from one individual, and she's another story. Um, so everyone would tell me if they were going to be arriving after seven o'clock. You can read more on setting boundaries at your B&B at bnbacademy.co.uk forward slash blog. I'm not going to read the whole URL out. Um, do a search for setting boundaries and uh, it should pop up. It will very much depend on the layout of your house, um, the security you have in place uh, and insurance. 
But the other things you could do is allow guests to self-check in. I started with one B&B room, went up to two, then to three, and then to four. And then I went down to two B&B rooms. And those two B&B rooms were outside, as I said, in a separate annex. This meant that I could ask later arriving guests to check themselves in. Obviously, this needs more thinking about if your B&B rooms are in the main house. And with our setup, when the rooms were in the main house, I would only have ever let repeat guests that I knew quite well access to the house when we weren't there. A small B&B is a good way to make money from your home whilst enjoying the lifestyle and some of the other pros I've mentioned here. If you target your guests correctly, create a B&B they love in the area they want to visit, you could generate a decent turnover. So with three rooms, if you were charging £130 a night, which is what I was charging, and a 50% average occupancy over the year, you could get a turnover of about 74000 However, this isn't money in the bank to spend. You'll have expenses to pay. As a good rule of thumb when you're trying to think about how much it costs you to have guests staying for the night is to allow about 25% of each night's stay for things like breakfast ingredients, cleaning, so if you pay someone to come and clean for you, laundry, toiletries, etc. And then on top of that 25%, you've also got your fixed costs such as insurance, marketing costs, entertainment licenses, buying replacement items such as towels. We probably replaced our towels maybe once every 18 months. Um, you might need to replace bed linen. And on the more expensive side of things, you might need to think about replacing mattresses after a few years as well. And then, of course, after all your expenses, there's potentially a tax bill to pay as well. So that's just to say that 74000 um, isn't 74000 in the bank to go out and spend on holidays and go shopping with. There's, there's expenses to pay as well. One of the common reasons people give me for wanting to run a bed and breakfast is that they want to spend more time with their family or their partner if they have them. And running a B&B can be an excellent way of achieving this. My daughter was 11 when we opened the B&B. Uh, she's uh, turning 30 now in December. And it was such a huge relief when we no longer had to work out what we'd do for childcare in the school holidays or if she was ill. I really also valued the fact that I was always there when she arrived home from school, which is something I'd missed out on as a teenager myself because I had two working parents. Luckily, we also had a fantastic school bus service still here in Shropshire which meant she was able to walk two minutes up the road and get the bus in the morning. It was a long journey for her, poor thing. She had to leave at half seven and she wasn't home till five o'clock in the evening. But it did mean we weren't having to worry about doing the school run whilst having to do breakfast prep. For other B&B owners who run their B&B with their partner, they love the opportunity to spend more time together running the business jointly. So on the other side of things, if you weren't lucky enough to have a school bus and you have to take kids to school, then you'll need to factor this in when you're having to do breakfast service. That one morning I was halfway through breakfast prep and I got a call saying Jess had been taken ill worse on the school bus and um, they were waiting for me in a lay-by and, and could I come and get her? 
So I had to rush up to the guests, get them out of bed to explain breakfast would be late and then take a, a you know, 20 mile round trip to rescue her. Luckily, that didn't happen too often. Whilst I was at home all the time for Jess and to spend time with my husband Rob when he was home at weekends, it did make family days out more difficult. One August, uh, I remember we didn't have a single day out because I had a guest arriving and leaving every day. And between waiting for them to leave and arrive, I had to clean, bake and, and be in to greet them. And that was the month I decided to stop accepting one night stays at the B&B completely. Yes, it meant I lost a bit of income in those one night gaps, but it also gave me a bit of breathing space and gave me more days when I had no arrivals, which meant we could go out and uh, have family days out without having to worry about getting back for someone, uh, a guest arriving. I also tried to get better at scheduling in more days off, both for my family and my own mental well-being. Now, I've done this in the past and I see B&B owners do it now, but running the B&B for weeks without a break is exhausting. As, as Claire Wright of the Schoolhouse mentioned on her recent podcast, like podcast number three, uh, when she joined me for podcast number three, no, she said, most people have two days off a week. When it comes to the disadvantages of running a B&B with your partner, now, I'm no relationship expert, and actually I've never run the B&B with Rob. He's not involved in the business at all. But I have seen some couples struggle with the transition of only seeing each other after work and at weekends to being together 24-7. So that's something you need to manage. You also need to get very clear on why you both want to run a B&B and that your reasons for do doing so sort of mesh together. And it's important to have clear roles and responsibilities uh, that are fair to each partner and make sure that you review those roles and responsibilities on a regular basis. My favourite part of running the B&B has always been meeting friendly and interesting people. And I was lucky enough to welcome many of those back, uh, often as repeat guests. My repeat business rate was around 60 to 70%. Obviously, when you, when you first start opening your B&B, you're not going to have that repeat business rate. I mean, I built that up over, over the 17 years I was running a B&B. But it is, it's a nice goal to aim for. One of my skills is the ability to get on with most people. And, you know, over 95% of those guests are, are really nice. But as an introvert, whilst I enjoy welcoming and hosting new people, I do find it takes a lot out of me. And that's why I shed chiseling breaks away from people to give myself some time alone is really important. And no matter how well you do your marketing, and making sure you target the right type of guests is really important. As I go over in detail of module one of the online course, there will always be someone who doesn't get what you do or just doesn't like you. It's human nature. You can't appeal to everybody. Anecdotally, when you do have problems with guests, so maybe guests not getting what you do, not understanding what your B&B is all about, this tends to happen more with guests who book through a third party 
such as Booking.com or Airbnb. I've never used either of those. I've always marketed my B&B direct and, and through Alistair Sordes as well, but I've, I've not used Booking.com or Airbnb. So I don't know from personal experience, but other B&B owner friends tell me that they tend to have, when they have problems with guests, it tends to people who have booked through a third-party channel. And no matter how hard you work to get everything right in your B&B, it's inevitable that some things will go wrong such as the plumbing, which may impact your relationship with the customer. And, you know, this can be hard when you have guests living in your home. I've mentioned the story before about the lady who turned up in my drive um, with a face like thunder, accusing me of not having sent uh, a confirmation email. And I checked and I had sent the confirmation email. It must have gone into her spam or disappeared somewhere into the internet. But she, she didn't receive it and nothing I could do right during her stay was going to make up for that. And, you know, you've got someone living in your home who is very angry with you. That can be something that's quite difficult to cope with, especially when you're on your own. You know, Rob was working away. Now, my husband's advice was always grit your teeth and think of the money. They'll be gone in two days. And that is a particularly good advice and something that I lent back on when I was having uh, issues with guests. Of course, if you are having problems with guests, this may lead to bad reviews. It may lead to complaints, people wanting their money back. And all of this can take an emotional toll on you. As well as taking regular breaks, it's also important to schedule in time off to look after yourself and to stay mentally well. Even with people you like, you may find yourself having to be warm and friendly with people when you just don't feel like it. I have something of a frog in my throat this morning. When we lost our first dog, Tess, I'd alternate between sobbing in the kitchen and laughing and chatting with guests in the dining room. I didn't share with them that I was grieving. You know, they were here for a celebration of their 25th wedding anniversary. Uh, the last thing they needed was a B&B landlady crying on their shoulder. So it's quite difficult sometimes to show that happy face when you're really not feeling it at all. I, I discovered meditation at the time um, when we lost Murphy five years ago and I found that really effective in helping manage my own negative self-talk and getting me through difficult situations like that. But having other B&B owners to talk to is so important. So someone who understands what you're going through is really useful. E even if you're running a B&B &B with someone else, it can be quite insular having two people in the business so I think it, it helps having someone to talk to outside of the business who's not involved in, in the same business, in, in your business. And you could look for local tourism networking groups where you meet in person. These can be really useful. Or that's where the Facebook group for past course attendees that is available to you after you signed up for a course is great support when you've got questions or you, you just need some TLC, you just need to vent sometimes. Now, on to cleaning. You get to do a lot of cleaning. Is this advantage? No. If you've been reading my blog posts for any length of time, you'll know I find it difficult to say anything positive about cleaning. It's not something I've ever enjoyed. Part of guess from the moment of satisfaction at the end when everything is sparkly and shiny and you've finished and then it will need doing again the next day. Though I do know that some of you out there love cleaning, so you may have just found the ideal job for you if you want to run a B&B. 
cleaning does have the advantage of giving you a good workout and keeping you fit. It was easy to get in my 10,000 steps in on a changeover day, but there is an awful lot of cleaning when you run a B&B. For my three-room B&B, it was rare to get away with less than five hours a day. And as soon as I could afford it, I paid other people to come in and do it for me. This means you do need to be physically fit to run a B&B. So as well as being quite a mentally demanding role, it can also be a physically demanding role as well. One thing I've always loved about running my B&B is that unexpected nature of it. It's great when another booking pings into your inbox. They reckon that whenever you get a like on, on social media or someone comments on your social media in a positive way, you get a little dopamine hit. Uh, dopamine is known as the feel-good hormone. And I suspect that little feel-good hormone, dopamine, is, is, is responsible for that same little burst of, ooh, whenever a booking or a great review pops up. And there's something really satisfying about having the, the ability to make uh, more money whilst making more people happy. And far more exciting than a, a regular pay slip at the end of the month. Right. So one thing I've always disliked about running my own business is the unexpectedness of it. Do you see what I did there? Will I make enough money to cover the bills this month? Will the next review be a bad one? The lockdowns of the pandemic just proved to us how hard running your own business can be and how you can be hit by something when you have no idea that it's coming. You know, up until the pandemic, we had good years at the B&B and some not so good years. We could be impacted by the weather, by Brexit, by the general election. You know, they all affected um, the tourism business to some extent. Following the recent reopening of B&Bs in the UK, after the last lockdown ended in May, many B&Bs have seen their busiest season ever. And, you know, that's brilliant. It's great for business. It's bringing in a lot of money after a very difficult time. However, it's also resulted in some very tired B&B owners and also B&B owners reporting that guests have tend to have much higher demands and higher expectations. So again, that impacts your emotional state. So running your B&B uh, business is full of highs and lows, whether you're busy, whether you're quiet. And whilst we could never have predicted the COVID pandemic, you should do what you can to plan for the unexpected. In the course, I have a section on finances. One of the things I suggest is having at least six months saved as a buffer fund to cover you for unforeseen emergencies. And um, you should always get financial advice from an expert before diving into setting up or buying a B&B. And I also strongly recommend that you get a very good accountant who can help you out with those expenses I talked about a bit earlier. Okay, so to wrap up today's podcasts, there are many good reasons to run a B&B. As Claire of the schoolhouse here in Chapel Lawn Shropshire said in podcast number three, she wouldn't swap her B&B life for her previous life in a, in a million years. And, you know, she's been running her B&B with her husband Dave for over five years now. I ran a B&B happily for 17 years before giving up to focus on my bed and breakfast training courses. So it can be a really positive lifestyle. 
particularly if you're sick of the nine to five and, and the office. But as, as you've seen in this blog post, it can be hugely rewarding, but it's not all cream teas and smiling guests all of the time. So going into the business with your eyes wide open is a huge step in the right direction. Setting your B&B correctly up in the first place. My B&B course is there to help you create a B&B. You're going to love running. You can find more at bnbacademy.co.uk and look for B&B course in the menu at the top. Thank you for joining me this week and I look forward to seeing you again soon.